Clara is a four-year-old girl who sustained a laceration after a fall down the stairs. Her mother brings her to the emergency department because she thinks Clara will need stitches. By the time mother and daughter arrive to the emergency department, all the bleeding has stopped, but Clara is crying. He reassured the mother that stitches won't be necessary and that you'll clean the wound. Clara's mother asks you how the bleeding stops so quickly as you prepare to work on her daughter. Hi and welcome to Audio Breaks. This is Alex Dennis and you're listening to The Break laying the foundations and frameworks for hemostasis. After this episode, you'll be able to 1. Explain the concept of hemostasis as a balance between clotting and clot dissolution, called fibrinolysis. 2. List the three steps involved in making a clot. 3. Describe in general terms how the coagulation cascade works. And 4. Outline the ways clotting is kept in check. Part 1. What is hemostasis? Blood vessels are responsible for the flow of blood, gases, nutrients, and signaling molecules to and from every cell in our body. This vital delivery system is subject to a variety of insults, from normal daily wear and tear to traumatic injuries that can result in leaks in vessel walls. How do we stop such leaks? The mechanism by which bleeding comes to an end is called hemostasis, also known as clotting. It requires the precise and collective activity of plasma components, so mainly the coagulation cascade, the vascular wall, and platelets. Equally as important as making a clot, a thrombus, is the ability to stop the formation of clots or else break them down through fibrinolysis. Otherwise, we would become a huge clot right after a paper cut. So when the hemostatic process is working right, clotting happens normally. But when it is out of balance, we see the potential for two kinds of problems. Either patients have increased risk of thrombosis due to overactive clotting mechanisms or deficient anti-clotting systems, or patients have increased tendency to bleed due to deficient clotting mechanisms. Alright, let's start off with a mild question. What kind of imbalances might predispose a patient towards thrombosis? Excessive clotting activity or deficient anticoagulant systems might make a patient susceptible to thrombosis. Part 2. What are the three steps involved in making a clot? Keeping in mind the body's need to balance between too much and too little clotting, let's discuss how clots are actually made. When a hole appears in a blood vessel, proclotting forces immediately rush to the scene and form a thrombus, or clot. The process of forming a clot involves three steps. First, blood vessel constriction. Second, platelet plug formation. This is primary hemostasis, and it makes for a weak plug. And third, there's fibrin formation. This is secondary hemostasis, and it strengthens the plug. Let's get into these steps in more detail. So the first step is blood vessel constriction. Almost immediately after a vessel is damaged, regional small arterioles constrict, driven by the release of the cytokine endothelin from endothelial cells. This constriction reduces the amount of blood loss at the site of injury, making it easier for the coagulation factors and platelets to come in direct contact with each other and with the injured endothelium so that the processes of platelet plug formation and fibrin formation can begin. After that initial gut reaction, if you will, the second step in hemostasis involves the formation of a platelet plug. 
Again, this part of hemostasis is sometimes referred to as primary hemostasis. At the injury site, platelets adhere to the blood vessel wall in a process called adhesion. After that, they are activated to secrete a variety of proteins that enhance clotting, and then they pile up on top of each other in aggregation. The result is a soft platelet plug that covers the hole in the damaged vessel. Although this is a great way to achieve temporary hemostasis, the platelet plug on its own is not a permanent solution because without anything to glue it together, it quickly falls apart. Our third and final step is fibrin formation. This is sometimes referred to as secondary hemostasis, and it involves sealing the platelet plug in a place with a glue-like molecule called fibrin. Fibrin is formed in a complex process known as the coagulation cascade, which we'll talk about shortly. Alright, quiz time. What are the three steps in clot formation? The three steps in clot formation are vascular constriction, platelet plug formation, and fibrin formation. Part 3. What is the coagulation cascade? Your favorite thing, I'm sure. The coagulation cascade consists of a sequence of events involving plasma proteins that interact to form fibrin, needed to glue the plated plug together and clot the blood. It's really that simple and there's nothing to get psyched about. This cascade is a series of enzymes which are activated, and they are designated by the letter A following the Roman numeral. Then the activated enzyme activates the next step in a cascade. Let's take a big picture look at how the cascade works. You've heard numerous times about the cascade's intrinsic and extrinsic arms. Fun fact, these separations are arbitrary and originate from laboratory tests that used either glass or thromboplastin to induce clotting. In any case, both arms eventually converge into a unifying pathway because they have the same goal to activate fibrin, which is factor 1, which is the superglue to our plug. What you should know is that, generally speaking, the extrinsic pathway is the spark of the coagulation pathway. It generates a thrombin burst. Thrombin is factor 2, and that activates a lot of the factors from the intrinsic branch, which sort of carries the workload of secondary hemostasis. I think extrinsic, explosion, it reminds me of a spark. And the extrinsic pathway is really only factor 7, which is activated by tissue factor on the damaged endothelial cells. The activated factors in the intrinsic branch also work to ultimately activate fibrin. Remember, that's our factor 1, and again, that's the glue to our plug. So both pathways converge to activate coagulation factors of the aptly named common pathway, which includes factors 10, 5, 2, and 1. That's easy to remember for me because 1 times 2 times 5 is 10. Although it might sound like you could use either the intrinsic or the extrinsic arm to make fibrin, in real life we need to use both arms together. So let's go through this again a bit more slowly and with a few more details. There's a break in a vessel wall. The vessel contracts, then primary hemostasis. The thing that kicks off the whole cascade is a substance called tissue factor, abbreviated TF. Tissue factor is at the top of the extrinsic pathway. Tissue factor is normally hidden from the bloodstream until a vessel is damaged. Then it is released from endothelial cells and some other places, and that initiates the coagulation cascade along the extrinsic arm. The process moves down through the final common pathway, which starts at factor 10, and then fibrinogen is converted into fibrin. 
so far so good. Here's our first plot twist. As soon as a little factor 10 is activated, something called tissue factor pathway inhibitor shuts down the extrinsic pathway. That's it for the extrinsic pathway. Having done its job of initiating coagulation, it stops entirely. This would not be, however, enough fibrin to form a clot. So to amplify things, the thrombin formed in the final common pathway circles back to initiate the intrinsic pathway, revving up that fork of the pathway, and coagulation proceeds robustly through the final common pathway and onto the formation of more fibrin, now enough to glue together the platelet plug. Alright, hopefully that made sense. Let's check with a question. How is the coagulation cascade initiated? Tissue factor is exposed to the blood during vessel injury, setting off a cascade of enzymatic reactions. Part 4. How is blood clotting kept in check? Making a clot to plug a hole is obviously really important, but equally important is the ability to turn off the clotting process when the hole is plugged and to get rid of the clots that are not serving a purpose or even are doing damage by occluding blood flow. There are lots of different mechanisms, but the most important ones hit the clotting process in two places, the coagulation cascade and the clot itself. There are several natural anticoagulants that keep the coagulation cascade in check and stop it whenever it is no longer needed. We already talked about one substance that stops the cascade, the tissue factor pathway inhibitor, which is a substance that switches off the extrinsic arm almost immediately after the pathway is switched on. There are three other anticoagulants that turn off the cascade once it's time to shut it down. Antithrombin, protein C, and protein S. All three of these molecules are on standby, and as soon as enough fibrin has been formed to stabilize the clot, these molecules turn the cascade off, effectively shutting down any further formation of fibrin at that point. So that's during the cascade. Once the vessel wall is sealed and repaired, any excess areas of clot need to be eliminated, a process called clot remodeling. Dissolving clots can also come in handy in the event that you find yourself with a pathologic clot, i.e. one that you didn't intend to make and that is serving no good purpose. Clots or portions of clots are destroyed in a process called thrombolysis or fibrinolysis. The main actor here is a protein called plasmin, which cleaves the fibrin surrounding the clot, leaving little fragments of clot that simply wash away. Alright, let's pause here to see if that's stuck. How is the coagulation cascade regulated? Antithrombin, protein C, and protein S are potent anticoagulants that inhibit the cascade at different places. And that's all I have today on Foundations and Frameworks of Hemostasis. Let's see what you want to be taking away from this episode. Let's start broad. What is hemostasis? Hemostasis, or clotting, is the normal process of stopping bleeding. What are the three steps of hemostasis? At first, the damaged vessel constricts, thereby reducing the amount of blood loss at the site of injury. Next, a soft platelet plug is formed. That's the second step, but it's also called primary hemostasis. And then that plug is sealed with fibrin, and that's the third step, called secondary hemostasis. What are the two branches of the coagulation cascade? 
The coagulation cascade has an extrinsic branch and an intrinsic branch, which both converge to the common pathway and are both essential for normal clotting. How does the coagulation pathway start and proceed? The pathway starts with tissue factor kicking off the extrinsic pathway. Then almost immediately, the extrinsic pathway is turned off and thrombin initiates fibrin formation along the intrinsic pathway, which continues until the cascade is turned off. What is the end or effector product of the common pathway of the coagulation pathway? The common pathway, which is activated by both the extrinsic and the intrinsic arms, results in the formation of fibrin, factor 1, which is what solidifies the platelet plug. And finally, what are the three most important natural anticoagulants? Antithrombin, protein S, and protein C are the most important natural anticoagulants. Alright, that is it. Now, let's get back to our patient from the beginning of the episode. Thinking back to Clara, she is a four-year-old girl whom her mother brought to the ED because of a bleeding laceration. But by the time they got to you, the bleeding had stopped. So now all you have to do is clean the wound. Clara's mom asked you how the bleeding stopped so quickly. How do you describe hemostasis to her mother? You explained that our bodies have developed a system to help us stop bleeding when we are injured. And Clara did all of this by herself before they arrived here. First, damaged blood vessel narrowed to limit blood loss. Then, a plug or stopper formed over the hole. Clara's platelets formed the plug. And finally, a complicated but elegant system came into play to knit together a stronger and more stable cover over the hole. And voila, no more bleeding. Clara listens intently as you talk about her and then says, I did that all by myself? Well, you sure did, you reply. And that is a wrap on foundations and frameworks of hemostasis. Remember your three steps to hemostasis. Constriction, weak platelet plug, and solidification of that plug. Solidification of that plug happens via secondary hemostasis, which is where your coagulation cascade comes in. Extrinsic branch is your spark. Intrinsic branch carries it through, both with the end result of making fibrin, which shields the plug. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Your feedback is super helpful to us. You can always get the full RxBricks experience online at www.usmle-rx.com. I will catch you on the next one.